Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Oh my god, that's gross. Corey Feldman does not know how to eat a freaking pizza pizza. Completely changed the face of everything. It's very unique. I will give it that. Oh, thanks, Paul. I don't want to embarrass myself. Should I embarrass myself? No, that's... Please, no. Oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. I am embarrassed. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to Forgotten Cinema, a podcast where we talk about movies that, for whatever reason, uh, seem to have gotten lost in the sands of time. Either they just didn't get the sequel they deserved, um, they didn't get enough credit that they deserved accolades. Um, we look back at these movies and try to find what made them great, what made us remember them in the first place. And if we remembered them correctly, perhaps uh, we have not remembered them as fondly as they they, they deserved. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's what I hear. Well, a little bit about ourselves. Like I said, this is Mike Field you're talking to, not the other Mike. That's Mike Butler. We have the same first name, uh, which is, I guess, a coincidence, right? <laughs> You'd like to think so. <laughs> so anyways, um, I'm a writer-director. I have done web series, short films, feature film. I've written countless scripts, countless short stories, short films, plays. I just finished a book. Uh, I've all, this, all of this uh, allows me to, or at least I believe helps me view movies a certain way, not just from, uh, I guess, a fanboy's sake, which I'm not a fanboy. I would not say that. That's probably the, a bad description of me. But as a, as a aficionado, a film aficionado, but also knowing what goes into these productions, they're not easy. Uh, Mike Butler, I'm an actor and writer. Um, based on the East Coast, I've been in some things that Mike Field has written and directed, as well as I've done other plays around the East Coast, including in New York City as well. So I come from it more from the in front of the camera aspect, I suppose. Um, oh, I'm behind the camera? You're more behind the camera. Okay, maybe, that, I can but... take that. That's, I should have used that in my description. <laughs> I come from, uh, from behind. That's not good either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I come from more in front of the camera, as well as I think we both come at from a story aspect as well. We also both work at the same movie theater. We're managers. Unfortunately, Mike's smiling because he's not proud of that. <laughs> we, so we we know we know the business on both ends. Oh, jeez, I'm, I'm, I'm full of them today. The, I'm full of them today. Phrasing, <laughs> but yeah. So we see the production through from all aspects up to release. So we get to see what other people maybe in the business don't get to see, which is the reactions fresh as people uh, come out of the uh, theaters and watch these films. Agreed, absolutely. We completely butchered that, but that's the charm. I think it works. <laughs> <laughs> What are we talking about today, Mike? What movie are we uh, revisiting today? Today we are revisiting the 2008 film Valkyrie, starring Tom Cruise, directed by Brian Singer. We can save Europe from total destruction. We have to show the world that not all of us will like him. It is too great a risk. It doesn't change what we must do. What did you have in mind? You could serve Germany or the Fuhrer. Not both. It's just that talk that had you sent here, Colonel. What I said was much worse. I'm a soldier. But in serving my country, I have betrayed my conscience. We need to reorganize. There has to be a chance of success. That's why you're here. Hitler's Germany has seen its last sunrise. Can I count you in? Any problem on Earth can be solved with the careful application of high explosives. The trick is not to be around when they go off. Ten minutes. One for the checkpoint. Two for the walk. One to the bunker six to get out. Plenty of time. But remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Operation Valkyrie's in effect. If they catch you, they will pull you apart. If I fail, they'll come for you. All of you. I know. Do you realize what you've done? We've been discovered. Every second we stand here, there's a second lost. You 
want to live through the night, you do exactly as I say. What makes you think you're stronger than the very momentum of history? My Fuhrer, may I present Colonel Stauffenberg? recent one for us in terms of the films we've done well it's yeah no 11 11 years yeah t- 2008 so just quick um so quick facts about it released uh december 25th 2008 as some of you might know is christmas day which is uh popular for a lot of movies that are either i, I don't know because it uh, well let me give you the rundown of the movies that came out that same day all right marley and may uh the curious case of benjamin button love that movie all right, well, uh, I don't want to pause this right here, but uh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> bedtime Stories, the Adam Sandler. I remember when that movie was announced, that was like it had like huge potential, but it kind of fell fell down on. I don't want to pause this. <laughs> <laughs> the Spirit, which I had to go look that up because I did not know what that was. That's the uh, Frank Miller right. uh, comic book style. And, and yeah. what's funny is before we started this, it was on Cinemax, and I watched like ten minutes of it. Oh boy. <laughs> Revolutionary Road, which is a great movie, mm-hmm. but I can't. It's a it's it's a tough watch. That's a it's a one and done. Kind yes, of film. I mean I do want to go back to it, but it is a tough watch. Gran Torino, which I love, and The Reader, which I did not love that much. Now The Reader was with Kate Winslet. Reader came uh, was nominated for an Academy. Award. It was no no no. I'm not saying it was, I just I just it, I just wasn't a, a huge fan of it as right. a lot of people were. But I did love Gran Torino a lot. Gran Torino is good. Yes. So. As you can tell, these, some of these movies are Oscar bait. These movies are movies uh, that, you know, the, the studios are putting out. Because around this time of the year is when you start getting the movies that are looking for the Academy Award nominations. So some, and, But then some of these movies are almost like summertime fair. You know, like I could see like Marley and Me or Bedtime Stories being a movie that you see in the summer. Yeah. If, yeah. Stretch. Not Button. Not Benjamin Button. So regardless, this movie comes out. Against like a slate of like seven or eight new movies, popular movies, anticipated movies. So it's tough to, you really have to be, you really have to hit a good note to to do some business during this week. Right. I mean, it doesn't hurt that they have Tom Cruise. It never hurts. So the budget for the movie was $75 million, although I did read somewhere that Rival Studios said it was $90 million, but who knows. Uh, it, It grossed $83 million domestic. 200 million worldwide and it's opening weekend which we just talked about was Christmas which is kind of misleading because it's not just Friday, Saturday, Sunday it's if I don't remember when Christmas was that year but you could be talking like a five day take or a six day take right. kind of thing yeah. was, what, that was 21 million so it, it was a success mm-hmm. alright so real quick as you said let's give some of the cast and crew directed by Brian Singer he of Aft Pupil Usual Suspects Written by Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah. He also have Usual Suspects. And he actually writes... McQuarrie has written eight of the last nine Tom Cruise movies. Really? Yeah. Like, his list is just all Tom Cruise movies now. Starring Tom Cruise, Kenneth Branagh, Bill Nye, Tom Wilkinson, Thomas Kretschmann, which I just butchered that, Terrence Stamp, Eddie Izzard, and I don't know how to say her name, Carice Von Houten, who is actually the Red Witch in Game of Thrones. Melisandre, yeah. Yeah, Nice. Shot in uh, Berlin, Czech Republic, and obviously L.A. or California. And uh, that's pretty much what I have in terms of production facts. I mean, I have other stuff, but... I like that we've already done two Thomas Kretschmann movies. What was the other one? Uh, Wanted. He was the dad. That's right. That's right. That's right. So even though we just talked about uh, that it came out December 25th, it was actually supposed to come out August 8th. Of 2000, that that year. See, that makes more sense to me, because it doesn't, when you watch it, I mean, it's good. Um, <clears throat> spoiler alert, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> it's good, but it doesn't seem like, when you're watching it, it doesn't seem like a normal Winter Fair kind of film. It does seem more Hollywood, I guess. It's got that sheen on it. Well, you, I'm, I, well we can get into that. Yeah. But it moved from the 8th of August to June 27th, then to October 3rd, then it was going to be February 13th. Of 2009, and then I got pushed back to Christmas. But a part of that was not because of they didn't know where to put it. Part of it was because of reshoots and just delays and whatnot. Because they had to reshoot some of the movie after I believe 
the scene where they get assassinated at the end. They and, and like we're not. There's no spoilers here. This is a true story. If you don't know it, you know. Well, I think maybe this is a good point to play. play well, I already our, just blew it. Our spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so the ending of the movie they had to reshoot because when they were processing the film, somebody added the wrong chemical to it and it destroyed the film. So they had to go back and reshoot that stuff. <laughs> that that, nice. that would have ticked me off. So side note, did I ever tell you the last the ending of Save the Forest? No. Okay. So this movie I did called Save the Forest, wrote and directed it. It was obviously, it was an indie. Um, Three-week shoot. You know, we're all tired. So the last day of the shoot, no, I take it back, not the last day. We shot the last scene of the movie. It might have been during the last week, but it wasn't the last scene we shot. Right. So the last scene in of the movie where the final ending and everything like that, when I got back to edit it, uh, there was no sound. For some reason, either the batteries failed or... You know, it just something happened. So I had no sound for the entire last five minutes of the movie. I'm not I don't have the seven million seventy five million dollar budget to go back and reshoot it. So I had to ADR the entire ending. I had to get people to come back up to to I was editing at my house, I had to get people to come back to the house, get in the closet, redo their lines, I had to redo the whole thing. But when it happened when I was editing, it was like this moment where I'm sitting there going through all the takes and I'm like, no. No, maybe the next one has it. No, no, no. And I was so mad. Like, it was just like I could not, I couldn't go back to the computer for another day because I was just so infuriated. Not because, not at anybody, because I didn't know what happened, it, but just mad that I didn't know there was no sound. And this was like a month later. It wasn't like we shot it and the next day I looked at it. It was a month later. So I understand the need for a reshoot here. And I'm sure they were extremely frustrated when they got back the, hey, yeah, so that stuff you shot last night, we burned it up. I'm sure all the executives uh, were so were so pleased to hear that. I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't even told. They just did this in Europe, and they just be like, oh, don't say anything, we'll just reshoot it. <laughs> um, all right. What's next? Oh, you want to talk about another fun fact that I know that Go you ahead. didn't bring up? I'm surprised. Did you know about Buttgate? No. <laughs> so when the movie first came out, actually, I think during the first trailer, the scene in that takes place in Africa at the beginning, when Tom Cruise ducks after a bombing raid on his uh, platoon, um, there's a shot where it looks like he's wearing butt lifts in his pants. Where did you see? Where did you read this? Uh, I remembered it from when it happened, and then I had to look back. I'm like, wasn't there a thing about his butt? And there was. A lot of people think he was wearing butt lifts, and he had to go on different talk shows and different articles in uh, online magazines and stuff and say, no, that's my real butt. I'm not wearing butt lifts. And everyone's got like zooms in on the picture and like makes like little circles around it, like it's a football oh. play, and go, look at here. This is definitely a butt lift. Blah blah blah. That's stupid. I, th- I thought it was hilarious. Wow. All the things I, to focus. I never, I never, well, I never, I never knew that. That's really? Yep. Wow. That's, that's just, I don't know. That's just odd. I mean, I, I mean, I can understand why maybe you think that he would have that. I mean, because, you know, I know in the past he's, you know, been on Apple crates and stuff like that. And there's no, doesn't, there's nothing wrong with that. I get it. I know you're short. I understand. <laughs> I, I, it, it is, it, I can understand for the look of the movie, you want to fake some of that stuff. That's fine. But who would even, like, imagine having that conversation, Tom. So, uh, listen, in this shot right here, we don't like the way your butt looks. So I brought Nancy over here. She's got a couple of uh, silicon covers that we're going to put on your butt here just to make them lift. I mean, like, why would you, why, why would somebody do that? Let me open up this crate. Pick the one that suits you best. Yeah, you, you get to choose. We have five choices. <laughs> like a movie like, like a movie like Fight Club where he, where Brad Pitt purposely went through that cleanse so that he could look ri- like just perfect almost because he's supposed to be, spoiler alert, the antithesis of what Edward Norton. Yeah, yeah. Is in that movie. I get that. That's I understand that mentality. If you tell me like, yeah, we did butt lifts or scene. Okay, I get that for that. But why for this? That's so stupid. Got to honor uh 
his memory. To honor Stauffenberg. <laughs> Stauffenberg was known to have a great Heine. <laughs> <laughs> we found these historical photos. Look at this, Tom. You, you well, couldn't that, hope to get this. Well, that's how they got him, because he looked like the guy. Right. He looks yeah. a lot like the guy. So it's they, pretty ridiculous. They showed him the photo of, of the guy, and that, then immediately he was like, wow. And then he was interested in the script, which I don't understand. Not the writing. Not anything about the, the story, the, the historical accuracy of the story, but the, the fact that he looked like the dude. I do look like him. I should play him. I think that'd be kind. I mean, I, I you'd be more inclined. What if this was a terrible movie? Like, what if this was like poorly written? <laughs> I think probably he read it first. After that. he's like, I w- I want to look at the script, or maybe he said, I'm going to do this, but it might take a while because I'm going to say no to any script I don't like. <laughs> right, right. The other thing that about this um, about this movie is that there are which with with uh, obviously, understandably, there are strict laws in Germany for using the swastika right so a lot of times so a lot of times when you see it in movies or when i mean i'm sure now they just digitally put that stuff in there but when you see it in movies there it's uh, they're, when they're shooting in germany the swastika is wrong purposely like so that they don't get in trouble for doing that but basically so that they got permission i guess they cruise and singer and the producers went and Ask for permission. They asked for permission for a lot of stuff because they were shooting in a lot of locations that where a lot of the stuff had happened. Right. And they asked to to use that, and and they they were given okay, fine. Like people, some some dude like called and complained. Like some dude like made an official complaint, and they had to address that. But you know, I can understand why you wouldn't want that up there. Right. Obviously, for obvious reasons. If I have to, if you don't understand why, man, you need to you need to learn. Mm. I mean, I can see why they would give this film above most permission. I mean, it's not an action film. It's not showing... It, it's showing that people stood up to the Nazis, that the German people stood up to the Nazis, at least some of them. Well, that's the importance so, of the yeah, story. Yeah, it shows them in, in, a, in a better light, uh, Germany in general. So I think because it serves the country and not the party, that's probably why. Well, one could also argue... I mean, I, I think we've, we've moved into now our viewing notes and our likes and dislikes, yes. which is fine. Sure. But one could also argue that, you, you know, there... Because in the movie, they never make mention. Now, this is towards the end of the movie. So, uh, excuse me, towards the end of the war. Because this takes place uh, from March 13th, 1943 to July 21st, 1944. I mean, but most of the stuff takes place. Because the March 13th is probably him in Tunisia in the beginning. But the planning and all that stuff, like there's pretty much starts taking place after D-Day. Which is June 6th. Right. 1944. So seven months after the failed assassination attempt at Wolf's Lair, you know, he kills himself. Hitler kills himself because, you know, the, the war's over and he's getting trapped. Is that what happens? You're spoiling World War II for Hitler, me. Hitler goes out uh, the way of suicide. So this is towards the end of the war, like I was saying. And they never make message, men, excuse me, they never make mention of the final solution. They never make mention of what's going on in the, the camps and stuff like that. So one could argue that the only reason that they were doing this was not to just because they thought he was so bad and what he was doing was wrong, was reprehensible, was pure evil, was the fact that they knew they were the war was over. They knew they were losing. They needed to come out on the side where people would not you know, blame them for whatever was going on. I'm saying one could argue that. I don't know if because who knows? They kind of bring that up. They do. They do kind of mention that a little bit. Um that it's more because they don't want to be viewed as allied with Hitler. Yeah. And they do mention that the war is about to end yeah. several times. Those men are confusing respect with popularity. The army swore an oath. An oath that won't just die with Hitler. What are you going to do? How are we going to deal with Goebbels, Himmler, the SS? They will wipe you out. It doesn't matter. It only matters that we act now before we lose the war. Otherwise... This will always be Hitler's Germany. And we have to show the world that not all of us were like him. But they do make mention of the concentration camps a couple of times. Uh, Stauffenberg does say uh, they're going to empty out the concentration camps. Anyone who does not surrender will just be shot. And I do believe at the beginning, when he's writing his notes or his letter to... Oh, in Tunisia? Yes, his wife or wherever that's supposed to go... That the concentration camps are go against his religion and his beliefs, I believe is what he says mentions on that that okay. notepad. Which where does that notepad go? Because that's a pretty pretty uh, treasonous, traitorous diary. Well, that's the other thing. They, like, he's very open 
about his not like like that he doesn't buy he's not all in that he doesn't with with what's going on with German High Command and what they want to do right which to the point like and I guess they say like that's why you're in Tunisia but it's like why are you even in why are you still not why are you in, not in the prison why are you not like locked up if you're this openly defiant if he still does his job and at that point he still hasn't acted on anything he's just kind of vocal but not maybe publicly and he's just a supply officer. He's just somebody who tracks supplies. Like, that's it. Like that, Because you're talking about the water rationing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I was a little taken back by how the openness of... Just, even when he gets to um, Berlin. The Tom Wilkinson scene? <laughs> we talking about when he... How, like, when he first basically tells Tom Wilkinson straight up, I'm going to... Oh, right. Take right. over. Well, but even that, they're all having open conversations. They're all like... It's like the entire building is just kind of like... Not that I'm saying like not that I'm being naive like they're not trying to be secretive, but there's never really any kind of it's just kind of assumed that everyone's going along with it until you just start seeing some of the looks from like Fromm's Wilkinson's character Fromm's uh, secretary who he's just kind of like like when he frees him at the end yeah right so yeah I just I I was a little taken aback by that just kind of like how how it was um I don't know well to the defense of that. I like how it almost seems like no one's really up on Hitler. I mean, they're doing the job, and obviously allowing this to happen is reprehensible and evil and and wrong. I love how we keep qualifying that. (laughs) But... Hey man, we're not for it. It's like they don't. It's not like they don't know that that's wrong. Right. Essentially, they're just in it because they want the power. They want to be in command. They don't want to. They don't want to go to the gulag, obviously, or whatever Nazis right. call it. Um. But they they want to have their positions. Tom Wilkinson wants to. He's he's just. Oh, he just he, he just climbing the ladder. He says it though. You got to be sure you fall on the right side, which right. is like you know he's just out for himself, which he which is the worst, and which I love at the end that they show him like. He they give him a little tag where he was executed. Like yeah. nine, he's and I read about them. He was executed nine months later as a civilian. Like so, basically, like he quit and then they he left went, and they went enough. back and they didn't have. They were like, you know, screw you, we're killing you. You know, so I, I thought that was interesting. But he, I did, I wasn't a fan of him. And I read somewhere that they his character is in there because they want him to appear appear sympathetic. Like he's supposed to be a th- sympathetic character. I didn't feel any sympathy for him. I didn't get that at all. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I like Tom Wilkinson. I think he's a great actor. He plays the part well, but he plays every part well. But yeah. His character is, you know, for lack of a better word, he's a douche. He's he a is. a big-time douchebag who j- just flip-flops on every issue. Uh, he allows the Operation Valkyrie paperwork to go forward to Hitler without being looked at before. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes down to actually enacting that paperwork, which he knew, knew something was up, he's— Totally not for it. Bill Nye was the same thing, though. Bill Nye's character, which I, I hate, I hate using their names. Uh, I want to use their character names. Albright was like when he, when Stauffenberg sets off the bomb, and Albright waits to do to initiate Valkyrie. Like he's sitting there, he's like, "I need confirmation." Like he was like faulty. He was like wishy washy too. This is Albright. It's been three hours, Albright. What the hell have you been doing? We've had no confirmation that Hitler was dead. I saw the explosion myself! We are committed. Dear God. Now, where is from? Is he with us? Is he with us? Uh, no one has spoken to him yet. You listen to me. Never mind Germany. Never mind Europe. Your life is at stake now. And if you want to live through the night, you'll do exactly as I say. The second you hang up the phone, initiate Valkyrie in Fromm's name. Give him the choice to join us or place him under immediate arrest. Do you understand? Yes. I mean, that's probably more historically accurate, though. Although, I do have in my notes it does make historical figures that maybe they don't know that that happened look bad. Because if all these people were executed, how do they know? Like, what, what do you... When, I, I get you have to write it and it's, it's good for the story, I guess, to make it more tense. But how do you know this person was a coward or that person is a coward? Making someone... Who stood up to Hitler, a coward? I think kind of makes him look bad. Well, yeah, and I'm all, anything that anything that we're talking about here is only in reference to the story. I don't know the legitimacy of a lot of the stuff. I right. know stuff has to be done for story artistic. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I like Bill Nye when he falters. I mean, obviously, something delayed their plan three hours. Um, but I I can understand his character kind of wobbling on that issue because. You do want confirmation of Hitler's death, whereas Tom Wilkinson just, it's not about that to him. It didn't seem that way in the movie when I watched it. Maybe I'm misremembering, but it seemed like he was. 
English 101. <laughs> it seemed like he didn't care if Hitler was dead or not. It was just, nah, I'm not in your plan anymore. I, I don't like this. Where he was at least kind of in on it just a few scenes earlier, which I don't know how many months earlier that was when they got approval from Hitler. I don't think they had the date up on the screen when they visit him. But... Oh, for Valkyrie? For when he gets approval for Valkyrie. Well, it seemed like he was just like, oh, let the paperwork go. In real life, um, it wasn't one visit, I guess. they, And it wasn't Stauffenberg. It was um, Albright would go like various times, and they would go over it, and he would sign different pages. So it wasn't like all at once, hey, approve this operation. That makes more sense. It's right. minor adjustments that he wouldn't have noticed. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't just, yeah. So, right. Kenneth Branagh's character. Mm-hmm. Treskow or Major General Henning von Treskow? Yeah. Yeah. So they have, in the beginning, they have the attempt that he puts it on the plane and, and then, which, why? Like, I was wondering why that was there because Brana disappears. The only, the only reason Kenneth Brana is there is because he introduces Stauffenberg to Albright into the, into the resistance to say like this is the this is the guy that's going to take the place of this other guy that we don't know who it is like we never meet him who has been arrested and then Brown is gone his character's gone until the end when he kills himself right so why are you in this I actually I like that actually I, I have in my notes that I thought that was a good um, I have that that was a good beginning sequence because you're not going to get into the heist for lack of a better word, it's kind of like a heist film. You're not getting into that until a little bit later. So give it a little bit of, of excitement right at the beginning. It also shows that, hey, this is not the first attempt to kill Hitler. This is not the first time we're trying anything. You know, this group has been around for a little bit trying to kill, actively kill well, I Hitler. I think this is like the 20, was it like the 12th, the 25th attempt? Yeah, it's a, it's a high number. It's definitely in the dozen. Yeah, like it was like this was the last, obviously the last attempt to kill him. No, I, I get that. I think the writer in me, and I don't like doing this with movies because I hate when people say, when the people read my script or they see a movie and they're like, oh, they should have done this. They should have done this. I, I don't like doing that. All right, so that, do it. <laughs> I'm going to. That's not, you know, that's not the story you were told. So obviously I have an issue with the way the story was told to me. I just would have liked to, I think you could have tied the beginning a little bit into with the story. Like, why not, I hate doing this, why not the guy that... The guy that did the, the guy that got arrested, that we never that we never meet, that Stauffenberg replaces. Oh right, yep. Why not have him do the aborted attempt? Why not have him get caught? Why not have him be the one like you know what I mean? Like they capture him and they then now they know they need another person to replace him because there was an attempt on the on, on the Fuhrer's life. So that ties into why Stauffenberg's there, and then it shows you the attempt that they've been trying to kill Hitler. For for this for this it just it kind of blends everything in and I don't know I just I think I would have done and I have a couple of those moments in in this movie where I, I, you might not know this already but I'm a huge Steven Spielberg fan I know you know this I just think he's one of our greater storytellers right and the okay. way he what's up because I agreed and the way he tells stories is just is is fascinating it's fantastic and there was a lot of times in this movie where I was like I wanted like I was expecting to see the way Spielberg would have done it. How would if he had told that story? And that's partly because it's he has done a lot of movies that have been set during World War II and during right. that time. And and this felt like that kind of movie. And it would have been very interesting to see that in in the regard of just kind of like the way he would tell the story. So I kept thinking like, oh, man, I would have tried that. I would have tried this. But again, I don't like nitpicking a movie and saying, this is how you should have done it. Because they told me the story this way and that's fine. I just, I don't know. There are a lot of things that I kind of... I, I probably would have done differently, and that's probably because I have seen it done differently when I've seen a lot of Spielberg movies. To that, I actually have in my notes that I like that it's not a Spielberg oh, movie. And that's good. I'm a huge fan of Spielberg, too, but I like that it's done Well, give me specifically what you like that, that you... That it would have been different. Specific. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So in a Spielberg movie... I don't think it would have breezed as fast. I mean, I know that's not specific, but I felt the breeziness of it helps this film. I felt like a Steven Spielberg movie would have been two and a half hours or longer for this film. And That is a gift. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I'd, I'd be okay with it. I, I, would watch, I would watch the hell out of a Steven Spielberg's Valkyrie movie, but that's, I don't, he doesn't need to keep making World War II movies. Uh, no, no, I'm not saying that. If he wants to, that. go right ahead. I'm not saying that. I, just, I get you that. Know, okay. But I like the breeziness of it. I like the look of it. I like... It doesn't come across as 
a Steven Spielberg World War II movie where when I picture World War II films, it looks like a Steven Spielberg movie in my head. I right. mean, from Band of Brothers, uh, The Pacific, he, direct Band of Brothers. Private, he was the executive that, producer. I got you. And I, I think Tom you. Hanks was there and they right, kind of right, made right, it look right, like it. Right. But this film looks like a different kind of World War II film, although they do still use, which I like, the actual you know places and locations and settings, which yes. we already talked about. I like that it, it breezes. It's a heist movie first and foremost, and it just tells the story of these men who did a brave thing, where Steven Spielberg's would have been maybe more heady. And not that that's wrong, but it, it makes it sets it apart from those kind of World War II films. When you say when you when you say a heist movie, what do you mean? Give me give me what what are they stealing? They're stealing. What, they're sorry, stealing the. Like they're that. stealing the country back. It's a heist movie okay. where the the MacGuffin is the country. Okay. So to that point, one of the things that I thought of when we were watching it is you're going to have this. You're going to basically it's a coup. You're, you're you're trying to start a coup. Right. And the most important thing in any kind of, I guess, government coup situation that I because I've been in dozens of them, um, <laughs> any kind of coup situation was you want to control the flow of communication, right? Right. Why do you not have a guy in the teletype room or the tick or the typewriter, whatever you know, when they're doing the messages? Why do you not have a guy there who's on your side? Why do you just leave it up to because they because at some point they're getting conflicting messages, right? And the guy's saying like, "You got to pick, you got to pick which one to do." And he's like, "We don't judge, send them both." And then he was like, comes back at him again. And he's like, "You got to pick," and he's like, "Okay, anything from Stoppenberg's office, don't do." And that basically, I'm not gonna say that sealed the fate, but that helped. It's a coup, right? We can't afford to remain neutral any longer. You have to make a decision. When it's over, we've been all wiped up on the right side. Very well. Send through all communications from the wolf's lair. Stop all communications from Stauffenberg. So right. how do you not have somebody... You have Eddie Izzard over in... His character is... Uh, Felgable? His character yeah. is General Eric. Yeah. Yeah. You have him controlling the communications from the wolf's lair, shutting him down, but you don't have anybody on the in Berlin? That seemed a little... F- I mean, like I said, if that was factually accurate, okay. That, uh, but so if we're going to go back to that, that's pretty bad. It's, it's, it's tough when you're doing a story that's actually historically uh, uh, accurate. And if that's I, yeah. part of the downfall, you have to add it into the story. It's also possible they didn't foresee that happening true um you know you when you think about communications you think the telephone room you don't think hey the ticket type out of but like but again like i would have liked to have seen something where like you know maybe they bring that up and he's like no we'll be good we can't or or they had a guy and he failed or whatever i mean it's when you're doing an historically accurate movie you do have to you you i mean i know you have you want to be as accurate as possible but at sometimes sometimes you've got to take liberties in order to make the drama and the tension increase. Mm-hmm. Which I had a one of my things was that I did not I while they were tense scenes, I didn't think they were tense enough. Like I didn't feel the tension. With the exception of the actual assassination attempt, everything else I know you said like how they're trying to steal back the country, but like everything else it wasn't like it was just Stauffenberg in the office making phone calls, <laughs> so it was just kind of like, "Are you with us? We have District Eleven. I don't know where District Eleven is. I don't know what's happening. I just you keep cutting back and forth from the reserve army arresting SS officers and you guys in the office talking to people." See, I don't think that's so much to build tension. I think that's to make it seem like they're winning. It's to it's to relieve tension. It's to get you in this mindset of, you know, they didn't succeed, but. You almost want them to. It almost seems like they are, and you're kind of rooting them on. And it's like. It, it, for a moment in the script, it makes you forget that they're not going to win. It makes you think they are. That's the other thing, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know how this movie ends. You know the ending because you know history. You know it's a failed attempt. So the the job of the – it's a tough job, but the job of the storytellers and the filmmakers is to make you believe that they could possibly do it, like they're going to do it. I didn't think that in this movie, but like a movie like United 93, where's it, which is about the, the airplane that didn't make it to, where's that? Was that one supposed to go to the Capitol? I believe so. To yeah. 9-11. Mm-hmm. Okay. When they obviously crashed a plane into the forest in Pennsylvania, right? Pennsylvania. 
I don't remember. I, I think so. I don't know. But regardless, I, I'm sure people know what I'm talking about. Like, I thought that they were going to like, at, even up to the end, I was like, oh my God, they're going to do it. And they don't, obviously. And, and, but that's, and that's a very tough ask for a filmmaker when you're doing something that everybody already knows the ending. It's very tough to kind of make people, you have to make people believe that it's going to succeed when it, obviously they already know it didn't. I didn't feel that with Valkyrie. I kind of, I don't know, I kind of saw the, the ending coming and I was just like, yeah, you're not, I, I'm not buying a lot of this. That's not to say that that's not, that's not a really a negative. That's just kind of like, I don't know, for me, it didn't do it enough. You might have, it might have done it enough for you and that's great. That's fine. That doesn't mean I'm right or you're wrong or vice versa. The first time I saw it, I had that feeling a lot more than I did this time. The first time I saw it initially when it first came out, I was on the edge of my seat, oh man, they're going to do it, <laughs> realizing they're not going to do it. This time when I watched it, I think the problem that you might have is they revealed that Hitler did not die pretty much right off the bat. Well, they don't, they, you never know. Like, they don't kind of like, they keep it, yeah, you're right, you're right. You get the phone call even in that office, goes, oh, Hitler's alive, he's just a little bruised up. Right, right. And it, that kind of killed it, which maybe I didn't notice how quick that came last time. This time I'm just, you're just waiting for that inevitability. But the first time I watched it, I did have that excitement. This time, less so, but maybe not as, not as less as you. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I hear you. I get. I, I understand what you're saying. I just, I don't know. I mean, United ninety three is a really good movie. So that's, I mean, that's kind of tough for me to be like, like I probably would like that movie. Oh, do I like that movie more than this one? I don't know. That's a tough ask. It's a, it's a tough. That's a tough movie to watch. I think that's. Oh no! I mean, I, I it's, can, it's, oh, it's too great. Soon. It's too soon. It's, Aww. it's not like super pat in the past. It's, it's very. It's what are you talking about? Was that was almost twenty years ago? Eighteen years ago. Well, I, I was alive. I think that makes, oh, makes a, maybe that makes it that's different. a different movie. That's a different <laughs> episode. But yeah. Uh, so I'm just gonna go through. I guess. Because we've been we've been going back and forth, so let me right. let me go through some of the some of my viewing notes that I brought up. Just just watching it, I always like the way in movies when you have because it's obviously if this is a movie that we're watching in its original language, it's German. Mm-hmm. We're not German, so we don't understand it. I always like the way that they transition from a foreign language to English. Like I like that they make ref like you know we see a movie. And they start off and they're speaking the, the the language, and then they do something which shows that they're changing over to English. They're rather, right. They're basically recognizing, like, yes, these people are not speaking English. Yes, you know, but like, you know, so in this one, they, it was kind of okay. He was like, talk, he's reading the words that he's writing in his diary aloud, and then they just kind of like start blending in the English, and that was okay. Defunding Nazis, begangen werden. Die Ermordung von Zivilisten. Do you know what the best one? You, I'm going to give you the one that I like the most. The best uh, uh, in what movie that they do this? Do you know which one I like? I do not know which one you like. Okay, I love the way they do it in Huffer at October when he's reading when he's reading the the officer that he's about to kill. He's reading the poem and they zoom in on the lips as he's reading it and he's doing it and then they and they stop and he starts speaking English and they zoom back out. Right. Yep. And the seventh angel poured forth his bowl into the air, and a voice cried out from heaven, saying, It is done. That's one of my favorite ways they do that. So I'm always fascinated when we're watching a movie which is set in a foreign language, how they switch it over to English. That's why I, 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 I thought this was, I thought they did a really good job. I, yeah. don't, see, I don't think you see it enough. So I think whenever you see it, it's, it's nice. good that they reference it because it's when they don't reference it and they're just kind of like, Yeah, whatever. You're, you're, you know, when you tell an audience that you don't care, then they're not going to care. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like, which maybe again, this is how I, another how I would have done it, which I don't like doing either, Boo. is showing the diary maybe and having the words become English. Because one of the things I didn't like is they focus on a lot of the paperwork that's being signed and a lot of the documents, and they're still in German. Yeah. Which means nothing to that, me. That's a decision. That's probably like a decision they make to kind of... I get, I get that, you. but no, I hear you. when I see documents on the screen and if they're the focus of the whole shot, 
I'm going to want to read. You want continuity. Yeah. You want you want that fluidity. I, I get that. And that makes sense. And I think that just goes down to whatever they decided to do on the production. And that's fine. Right. Back to the opening, because we talked about... Because I was wondering, like, like, why the opening? Why have why have him in Tunisia? Why why are we showing showing me this? Just just the fact that you're going to show me how he gets his injuries, which is which is fine. But I, you immediately, you also... I like how they set up where he's been sent there. He, he was, you know, he was sent there because he of his mouth. Mm-hmm. He talks to the germ, the guy that yells at him, talks to him about how he's like, listen, I just want to, I want to get our people back to safety. I want to get, I don't, we're out here on our own. Right. So he tells him that he wants to falsify the water ration and, and the guy agrees. So I just, you know, in that regard, I think that also shows how Germany's generals and majors, some of the upper ranks are kind of weary or growing, growing weary of just kind of like this war. So right. I think like, you know, like, yes, let's, you know, they're taking shortcuts. They're no longer like, no, we have to keep fighting for the Fuhrer and stuff like that. I like that. It kind of sets up like what you're going to see in the next two hours. And that's probably one of the things. But but in that regard, and I think this goes back to like what I would have done is um, the opening is disjointed. It's just it, it, the entire first 10, 15, 20 minutes of the movie. It just feels I, nothing. I didn't. I never was like I wasn't like locked in. Like I wasn't like, OK, the movie start. Let's watch. And I wasn't like kind of entranced into the story. It just kind of like it was being laid out and laid out and laid out and laid out. And I just had to like eventually just kind of like keep going. Right. I have the same though. I have that. It, it does seem like a different movie. Yeah. Until they get back to uh, Berlin. Yep. Yeah. Once, once, because once he gets to, once Stauffenberg gets put into place, it does start feeling like, like then it starts picking up and then you start seeing the plan in action. And I had forgotten that the assassination attempt took place like a good, the movie's two hours. So I think it took place like an hour, 15 in, hour in. Mm -hmm. Like, so I, I, you know, it wasn't at the end. So, you know what I mean? So. I'd forgotten that, that there was so much stuff after. Because the last time I watched this was, I mean, was probably back in 2008. And then maybe I watched it one more time when I got it on DVD. So until up to when we watched it before this episode. So, yeah, though, that was. So I, I did. I had forgotten that. I do really like the scene with Brana, which you don't like the scene with Brana as much. You don't, oh, you don't no, think no, it's no. the same. You're That's, talking about the opening? I, I think that adds tension to a beginning scene. I don't mind. I don't mind it. I just think it doesn't, like we talked about with the being disjointed, it doesn't really connect. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I understand you want to show that there's an aborted attempt. And you do set up the, you do set up what they're doing with the acid switches when they break it and mm-hmm. then they, because they explain it later. So that's great too. Like, I like that. I, I'm wondering why they didn't go off. Um, you had mentioned before the look of the film you like the look of the film i do okay so what i i one of my likes is the set design is the locations because they're so stark like when they're running through the to the ss office and they're running through the flags those all the flags i thought that was really cool so uh, there are a lot of the, a lot of the sets look great. And I think that's probably a lot of well, not a lot of locations look great because of the original locations, some of them. So I I do appreciate that. In terms of the look of the film, it was completely it was all desaturated. Obviously, like it was all like there's not a lot of colors. Like the the only the only room that had any kind of color that I remember was the warmth of the uh, teletype room. I don't even know if that's how you're, where they're all the, the, the women on the typewriters. And I got what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. That was a warm look that had a warm feel to it, but everything else was, was almost like someone took a gray brush, like a brush with gray and just over the whole image. Like, you know, like so desaturated the entire image and it felt very flat. It felt very like, like everything was lit great, but just grayed out. I feel like that's every World War II movie that's ever See, been made. Now, I would disagree with you there because not that I want to talk Spielberg, but go back and watch Saving Private Ryan. Go back and watch um, Gray and Green. It's all gray no, and no, green. No, 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 no. Go back and watch Saving Private Ryan. There are moments when, when they first go and they start telling, they have the same room. When they first, they're getting the information, they go tell the mother that Ryan, the four Brian brothers are dead or the three Ryan, three or four? Three. Three. Three Ryan brothers are dead. That room is completely warm. So there are, and there, there are moments where they have, he has pockets of warmth in there. But, I, but yes, on the whole, I'm not, I'm not, see, here's the thing. And as I shake where we're, we're doing, and I apologize. Here's the thing: if you're the movie is this movie is set up as almost. Would you admit that it's almost like a little noir esque? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's the highest. Yes. Right. So there's in noir movies you have darkness, you have shadows, you have you know pockets of light, you have pockets of shadow, you have these different things where it's kind of like 
you're saying you're telling the story with the lighting. Right. This is not. They don't have a lot of that in here. They, it's just basically brushed over with. This is the look of it. The entire look is going to be gray. And I'm not saying that that's the wrong choice. I just noticed it to the point where I think I. I don't know. I don't think I would have made that choice. I think I would have tried to find places in the movie where I could have, I could tell the story more with shadows and lights and colors. And I'm not looking for the pops of red of the with the flag with the not with the swastika and stuff like that. That's great because that and that's probably why I like that scene when they're running to the SS office and they're running through the flags from the upper above. They're shooting looking to down. The color, yeah, yeah, that's great. So I'm not saying I'm not opposed to that, but that's not what I would do all the way. I just thought. It just felt like it was just like one big one big Adobe filter when they when they had it in the edit. Well, I would counter that with uh, the beginning of the film in Africa. Okay, um, the scene where fair he point. visits where he visits his wife when he finally gets to go home with his kids. Sure, fair point. And you might not have noticed the room when they take over the larger room, the connected room, when you've got the secretary typing out orders. You've got Tom Cruise and Terrence Stamp in the in the room. That's a much warmer room than when you go back and you watch Bill Nye's room when he pulls the Hitler picture off. That It's almost the same color, but it's a grayer color than the tanner browns that they use when they finally take over. So I think there are moments of warmth, but it's it's so hard to find them because it's such a bleak – it's a bleak time. And obviously green and gray is, is I, World I, War II, no, which I don't I like get that. You. I get you. My, my, I do agree with you with the shadows looking back on it now that you mention it with the film noir. The shadows would have been cool. Um, but I like – it's not grainy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's – and this is because of Spielberg. And, and Saving Private Ryan looks sure. great and it was the first. But after that, everyone who does a war movie has to make the film grainy and – it looks great, and there are a lot of films that do it well. But I like that this was clear because, again, they used the historical places, and you get to see them clearly as if you were there without looking at it through the lens of, of it being filmic for the sake of being filmic, adding right. that grain. Right. That's what I like about it. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, again, you, I mean, my points could be nitpicky. And it's just like, you know, like what I want, what I want to do, and what I'm used to. But it's I mean, not your I, film. <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> it's not your film, Mike. No, I got that. <laughs> but, you know, yes, I agree. So, I mean, I think I've pretty much gone through all my likes and, and dislikes I've, I've, as we've been talking. I don't have any that I don't remember. I like, I like some of the dialogue. Some of the dialogue is very quotable. Okay. Um, Get, hit me with one. The portrait will be put- unhung and the man will be hung. You know, okay, so speaking of that scene, because he just tells basically the dude that's hiring for the job, like, did he know this guy was like... They mention it when he gets on, he comes they, He comes highly recommended. Okay. okay, all right, all right, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, am I in the wrong office? I'm just making sure I'm gonna, I'm engaged in high treason, which is another, it's another thing I like. I'm engaged in high treason. Can I count you in? <laughs> I also really like, I like that they keep going back to you got to pick your fake eye out. You got to get your fake eye. Put your fake eye in. Yeah, what it's, was that about? I like what I got out of it. It's, it's a metaphor of seeing now he sees really sees the world the way it truly is, or he really sees the Nazi party the way it truly is. Like he has to do something, and putting that eye back in is almost like he's joining the Nazi party again. Which is why he only puts it back in when he's visiting Hitler. He's in the lion's den. Well, I'm wondering if you mean the wolf slayer. Wolf slayer, yeah. I'm wondering if the lion's den. The, that, uh, I'm wondering if he puts that in there because, like, Hitler doesn't like imperfection, that kind of thing. Like, I'm wondering if, if that was also in there because that's what he would demand. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. But I like that they keep going back to, I'm not putting that eye in. I gotcha. I, gotcha. I, no, I, I, I enjoyed that, which I didn't notice it the first time as much. Well, he only puts it time. in when he goes to the wolf slayer. That one time. That's it. And I also like that it does look like they don't, like have him fake put his hand against his eye and all of a sudden his eye's fine and moving around. It's wobbly that whole time. It looks like a fake eye. They'll probably have a contact then. in there that, yeah. Right, that's a little skewed and I, yeah, I like that. Because a lot of times you see people put in fake eyes in movies and all of a sudden it's moving around like a real <laughs> eye. Like that's not how it works all the time. So I guess the question would, would be, as it is always at the end of our podcast, would you revisit this movie or should people revisit this movie? I absolutely think people should revisit this movie. If they're looking for a World War II movie, but they want something breezy, they want something, I wouldn't say lighter, because this is definitely heavy. Can you really do a light World War II movie? Uh, You can't. That's the thing. But it's, it's, it moves. It's two hours long. As soon as they get to Berlin, like you said, about an hour, 15 minutes um, left of the movie, that's, it's all 
the coup. It's all Project Valkyrie, which is nice. It moves. There's really no subplots, which I enjoy, um, that really bog, bog it down. They don't focus on one thing. It. Yes. Yeah. Um, they know what they're wanting. They, they want to tell the story about, and they do it. And just watch it from a historical story and something that happened, really happened that no one really talks about, you don't really learn about in books. And it's about, you know, men who stood up to great evil and did something. Even if they failed, they risked their lives. They knew what they were doing and they stood up and said, no, this is wrong. And I think that's an important message, especially um, anytime, not yeah, now, but not just now, forever. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think I think that's the my biggest thing would be you should go back and watch it primarily because it, it is historically accurate. I mean, it can't be completely 100% historically accurate because you, then the movie would be boring. <laughs> but just because it's based on true events, and I mean, I've written two scripts that are in that world, in that historical fiction kind of world where I've I, I probably gone a little bit more fiction than, 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 than history. I mean, you know, so. So, yeah. So, I mean, you should revisit. It's a good movie. It's it's well made. It's Tom Cruise is really good in it. There are every, a lot of good performances. So yeah, so I would I would revisit that movie absolutely. Yes, be my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess we uh, well it's plug time. So plug we time. like we we also like to be self-aggrandizing and talk about all the other stuff we're doing. Uh, I'm going to start because Mike's got like 15 things he's got going on. <laughs> so right now, um, if if you're watching or not watching, if you're listening. I've written, I have a new book out called Adam Parker and the High School Bully. It is a book two in the Adam Parker Mystery Series. The first book is Adam Parker and the Radioactive Scout. Those are available at Amazon.com for your Kindle or for if you prefer paperback, which I do as well. Reasonably priced. Feel free to buy one. And if you like it, review it. And if you don't, yeah, you can give a review too. That's fine. I'll take bad ones too. <laughs> Any review is, is a good review. Um, that's it. That's really all I got going on. So, Mike, take it away. I know you got like, you know, like I said, 15 things you got to plug. <laughs> all right. I've got a podcast out called Two Player Bros uh, that I do with my brother, Alex. It's a podcast done like a format of the old gaming magazines for our youth where we talk about, you know, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox, PC games, and a little bit of retro stuff. We talk about what's coming out, what's out. We review it. We talk about it. It's a whole lot of fun. So check that out. I've also got Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, a podcast I do with my fiance, where we crack open uh, beer. Usually it's a beer. And we uh, talk brews, news, and pop culture reviews. That's terrible. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually brews, reviews, and pop culture news. You're screwing up your terrible tagline. <laughs> you, you wish we had a tagline. I don't want a tagline. We're not getting a tagline. <laughs> then we're getting a jingle. Oh, that okay. Anyway, that's uh, that's what I got going on. Those those two other podcasts. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Mike Field, and I'm Mike Butler, and you've been listening to Forgotten Cinema. Do 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 forgotten cinema. Jingle. It's already happening. Need a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm keeping